this is Jeff and Rick, and we're back uh, continuing season two in the work of trueness in our podcast and our focus on the three P's, passion, purpose, and presence. And today we are thrilled to bring yet again a, a conversation with someone that we know you're going to, to love hearing from. And our good friend and part of our, our whole work of trueness, everything we're doing, Myra Parada. And Myra, thank you for taking the time. I know it's a busy time with uh, a lot going on in your world. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Jeff and Rick. I'm delighted to be here with you guys today. Very cool. So Myra, as you know, we are continuing to develop those conversations around those three P's of passion, purpose, and presence. And what we like to ask the people we get to have these wonderful conversations with is this question is, or, or basically is a statement. Tell us which one of those three P's most resonates for you at this time and, and why? So the, the, the P that stands out for me the most right now is presence. And I think in large part that may be due to my advanced age <laughs> and where I'm at in life. Um, I'm in my um, entering my or you know, maybe in my third career in life. As you know, I left corporate America back in 1998 and was guided to study human development and community health and counseling because I was just very interested in finding out about what helped people from their passions and their purposes. And I think that was a metaphor for myself at that time. I was in a very high profile career. I was very well paid by all measures. I was a successful American story. And yet I was so unhappy and so um, disenchanted as I rose up the, the ladder of success, as they say. And so I became very interested in finding out, gosh, what blocks people from that vision of their passion and their purpose. And so um, that journey took me, gosh, about 17 years to, to travel and to discern and to walk through. And so today, you know, all those years later, I can say that I'm deeply vested in the space of presence um, because I have obviously found my, my purpose or reconnected to it rather. And I'm very passionate about the work I do. I only do work today that I'm very passionate about that I actually love and, and that the people that I'm working with that I also love as well. And that holds true for not only my partners uh, at Sunny Day Publishing, who I uh, call friends, but my colleagues, uh, my consulting colleagues and my writing partners and even my students at Kent State University, I, I feel a devotion to everyone that I, that I work with today. So the best that I can do for them and for myself is to continue to come back to my own center, to be very present in what I say, what I do. Uh, it's not always perfect, of course. I am a human being, and uh, falling off of that is part of sometimes daily uh, my daily existence. But um, when you catch yourself, then you you know you recenter, you reground, and you come back and, and, and you ask yourself, what do I really want to do here? And to continue that um, sort of that walking, talking meditation, as I say, so that you can serve from your highest good versus, you know, your ego or just some righteousness or some notion of, you know, I need to be right about this. So it, it's a it's a letting go almost and it's a lovely dance 
that I am learning how to practice more and more. That's where I'm at, present. Yeah, we've talked quite a bit about presence, you know, on our own and then with some of the people that we've uh, brought on to the show as well. And you have you have an interesting story because you mentioned Sunny Day Publishing. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's there's an interesting story there. Would you mind sharing your Sunny Day Publishing story and, and how that maybe is a lesson or a story about presence? Absolutely. Thank you, Rick. Um, so Sunny Day Publishing is not something that I actually intentionally set out to create or do. Um, Sunny Day Publishing uh, evolved as a result of a book that I wrote with my daughter. And the reason I wrote the book with my daughter is because she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis um, at age seven. And as you can imagine, the diagnosis was very unexpected. It was very shocking. And it thrust me in particular as a mother into, I would say, a deep depression. And I realized soon thereafter that if I didn't climb out of it and I didn't figure out a way to work through that and to help my daughter and, of course, my other daughter and their dad through it, it would take me down because it felt very daunting at the time. So we wrote this sweet little book uh, called Lily's Life. (laughs) I had my best friend from high school illustrated, and it was just a very very um, raw sort of project, very homemade, very sweet. There was a sweetness to it. And Serena always commented that it looked like someone made it. (laughs) 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 You know, it wasn't Photoshopped to death or, you know, just we didn't do a lot of editing. It was just very pure and very sweet. And so we, we released it back in 2007. And it was met with just loveliness and sweetness we were interviewed by you know local news and there was a lot of coverage and and I got very excited about the idea or the notion of helping people through books um, because I was helped through books in my own journey when I was younger so um, I at that time I had a wonderful publishing partner who then decided that he was going to retire from publishing (laughs) and I was conflicted as to, well, wait a minute, you can't retire. How am I going to get these other books done that are part of the Lily trilogy or the Lily series? And at that time, back in 07, as you probably know, the publishing industry, and just like many industries, was undergoing tremendous shifts and changes. And of course, with the access to the digital uh, publishing, digital technologies, almost everyone was becoming a publisher, right, or self-published. And so he planted the seed at that time. And by the way, his name is Blue Janice. He's a dear friend. Blue said to me, Myra, why don't you consider becoming your own publisher? So he planted that beautiful idea in my in my brain. And I thought, well, that's crazy. I don't want to be a publisher. I just want to publish books. <laughs> and then realizing, well, maybe this is a way. Maybe this is an exploration that's worth pursuing. And if I were to have a publishing company, what would I what would I call it? What would I name it? And of course, Sunny Day speaks to my heritage. I was born on a tropical island in in the Caribbean. I'm from Puerto Rico, and the idea of you know waking up to a sunny day is something that appeals not only to me because I'm from an island, but to everybody. You know, we all can sense the hope and the wonder that comes from seeing a sunny day and I guess I wanted to 
express that somehow through my company, through my logo, and through the books that we would eventually come to produce and write and, and uh, bring to the world. And, and just for the listeners, you know, uh, Sunny Day, Myra lives uh, southeast of Cleveland, Ohio, Lake Erie, that, and, and in your area, probably average about 100 inches a year <laughs> of snow. The, the seven years I lived there, it was 100 inches average. And, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, so even more so, the, the visual of Sunny Day Publishing. And Myra, you, in, in one of our communications prior to actually getting together today, there, you mentioned something about that also involves, you know, Sunny Day is part of your evolution of the, your body of work. And, and your body of work is, is, is many things. But one thing you said, especially as your own brand, if you will, of that mm-hmm. body of work is, is evolving, you mentioned this helping individuals lead conscious lives. And, and there was a rhythm that you said after that. You said mm-hmm. awareness integration and action yeah and yeah. talk talk to us about that especially especially because I want to throw this out too uh, I know this and this is one one of the things you and I have talked about in the past along with that presence is that that personal leadership mm-hmm so I'm, I'm probably throwing too much out but let me let you <laughs> let me let you go with that Yes, I'll tease that out a little bit. So, yeah, I began to, soon after I got into graduate school and then my daughter was diagnosed, I realized that in order for me to climb out of that depression and to take any action that made sense and that was healing for me and my family was that I had to take leadership of my own life. And it had never occurred to me that that was a notion that needed to be part of everyone's life uh, in order to do whatever it is that they wanted to do or to heal from condition or a life circumstance or, or dealing with any chronic condition. Um, and so personal leadership was sort of like my the way that I conceptualized what I needed to do. And in my work in community and community health education um, was positioned from that perspective. And of course, coming from corporate America, coming you know with a bachelor's degree in business management, that was a very easy, those two dots were very easy for me to connect at the time. And people said, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, she's from corporate world. Of course, she's talking about leadership. Of course, you know, most people, when they think of leadership, they think of business. They think of um, people who are, who have those job titles, who are in those capacities. However, I see or I view leadership as everyone's business, even, you know, even young children, even, you know, all of us, it's, it's everyone's business. And I think as we learn more about um, our own, you know, our shared humanity, what science is telling us about neuroanatomy, you know, the, the way that domains are, are, are supporting one another, different, you know, scientists are working with artists, et cetera. There's a, a growing awareness of of that we we can all be leaders and we can all sort of take action and collaborate with one another to improve lives and to improve conditions not only in our own in our lives but for our families and our homes and in our communities. So yeah, personal leadership is an idea that I that I love. And of course, in order to be a good leader, you have to be really conscious. Otherwise, you you know it's it's you know, you, you make a lot of mistakes and I, I call it thrashing. You know, I, I went mm. through a, a big period of thrashing. <laughs> and I think, 
you know, I like to say now that thrashing is important. You know, I don't want to say that uh, leadership is all about perfection because it certainly is not. Um, it is a dance. There's a rhythm to it. There's moments when I can execute something so beautifully and say, well done, Myra. That was really well done. And then there's other days when I go, well, <laughs> that really stunk. <laughs> that was a hot mess. And it's so refreshing and humbling to um, have those moments and to remind yourself that you are human. And it, you know, th th those negative emotions that we all feel that are very common to everyone. If we go even a step further and step into those emotions, we recognize that everyone feels them. And so it can really connect us and reconnect us with our own humanity. You know, things like, you know, happiness and love and joy and pleasure. Those are such easy emotions to feel and to share, but it's, it's the hard ones. I think that people sort of close down around. Um, but I would like to have, you know, more conversations about that because, you know, as, as you mentioned, Jeff, that middle step is integration, right? I you go from awareness to integration and then you move into action. And for me, I couldn't be a good leader in my life and I wouldn't be a good uh, managing partner and uh, to Sunday Day Publishing and the work I do if I didn't, uh, if I hadn't learned how to integrate both, you know, the good and the bad, you know, and, and to really work with my own shadow, really work with all of the energies that are part of, of our world. You know, we cannot abandon anything that we deem undesirable or ugly or painful we have to figure out okay what are the what are the silver linings here what are the lessons what are the gifts embedded in this bag of crap right <laughs> to be to be perfectly blunt and most people want to leave the bag of crap way back there and not touch it ever however it's important just to just to peek at it and to say all right what what was there? What was that there for? What did it teach me? How did it serve me? How did it instruct me? And then you bring the goodness from that forward and for you know. Otherwise, it you know they say a lot of spiritual teachers say what you don't um, you know those lessons sort of keep popping up for you until you learn what it is they're there for. <laughs> and so you know Groundhog Days and thrashing very common part of the journey. In our conversations, you've often said a phrase that I've actually found comforting. It's, you know, it's not, it's not going to sound comforting right off the bat. <laughs> you've often say life is messy. <laughs> yes. Life is messy. And, and to me that, you know, I really hear that, as, especially now as we're talking, I really hear that as a very present statement, a very present reality, that part of that awareness. Yeah. You know, it, being aware that and, and and as you know, I often talk in the rhythm, I often talk about that middle space, that creative mm -hmm. tension of the middle space. And and yes. that's what I hear is if, if you open to that reality, you can get into that middle space and it may feel a bit tense, but that's where it all really happens. And so I, I, I want the listeners to hear something. I just think this yeah. is it's, it's a very it's a very sweet story. So when it comes to awareness, integration, action, you had said that you know ultimately that leads to personal peace. Mm -hmm. You know that rhythm. <laughs> so you know where I'm going. I tell, think so. <laughs> tell tell folks about the question you were asked as a child. So yes, yeah, so when I was in kindergarten, I you know during graduation, as children were asked, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? 
And, you know, you hear a lot of the common, I want to be a cowboy, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a mom, I want to, you know, be an astronaut. And uh, when it microphone came to me, my answer was very simple and to the point, and it was, I want to teach peace. <laughs> of course, not knowing what in the heck that would mean or that meant, you know, in retrospect, I, I think and I feel the, the beautiful nuns that were uh, my teachers at the time, I went to a beautiful school in Puerto Rico, Colegio Santa Rita. And the way that the, the sisters carried on about their days, how they served in the community, the way they taught, the way they loved, they had the most amazing gardens. <laughs> you know, I thought these are amazing human beings and they're so peaceful. And so I think some of it came from that. You know, I was heavily influenced by those nuns and I have a deep love for nuns still today. And so, you know, that stayed with me though, of course. And, you know, my, what I say now, um, you know, now that I'm a publisher and a mom and a community health educator, I'm like, you know, I teach peace. That is exactly what I do. So I feel in, in a beautiful way that I've come full circle. I don't, my card, my business card does not say peach, peace teacher <laughs> or anything remotely like that because that's a, that's a hard notion to wrap ourselves around. But I think for me, you know, speaking of story building and, and that's been my metaphor my entire life. I've been seeking a degree of peace and comfort. And I sincerely sense that that's what everyone is also seeking. And why I am so committed to the work that I do and to continuing to talk more about it. I, I call this, this podcast, I, I told my colleagues, I'm like, I'm coming out of the closet. <laughs> I'm coming out of the peace closet and, and talking, uh, you know, it's not very businesslike to talk about peace, right? Sounds very woo-woo. But think about, you know, and we all know when there's units in crisis, when there's work teams in crisis, when there's companies that are not doing well, a degree of peace would really be helpful and uh, it would go a long way. So I, I, I feel that having people, having, you know, people that are sort of oriented to that can add a lot to, to a group and, and to community as well. Myra, it's, I, this just hit me I, right before this. Uh, podcast. I had a call with a client of mine and he has moved to a, a, a new part of his global organization. And he's you know, moved many hundreds of miles from where he was. And, and is it a big transition point in his life? The, the children are out of the house, you know, they're in college and he and his wife had a house too big for him then. And then this opportunity came up and within the same company that he was with, but he moved uh, and he and his wife moved and so he reached out. He said, look, I need to reengage in one on one sessions. And, you know, he's just needed to really navigate this conversation. So I set that up to tell you this about today. I want to I want to talk about something that I just it just hit me that part of our conversation was about peace. And we never said the word. But here's here's where it came from. He was he was telling me about a, a position he had applied for that he didn't he didn't get, but they offered him this. It was not a promotion. And then they did fill the other one, but he never, nobody ever circled back with him. And he never said the word. And I said, uh, John, you were, you were disappointed. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I wanted to bring that to your awareness as we start our sessions again next Friday, that I want you, there's a good thing in that disappointment because mm -hmm. it's why you were disappointed because you approach everything you do in a way to not disappoint. 
Mm-hmm. You don't want to disappoint yourself. You don't want to disappoint anyone in the organization. You want to, don't want to disappoint those you lead. You know, I said, just look at the conversation we've had today. You've already spent most of the time talking about two other people you want to help in the organization while you're at the same time trying to figure out things for yourself. And it's whatever that disappointment, you know, that that key for him was disappointment, whatever that is for anyone, it's his way of peace. You know, Mm -hmm. it's his way to to be at peace as a leader because Mm -hmm. because he's very aware of who he who he is. He. He works hard, which is why he's reached out to me again, to integrate that and take the right action so as never to disappoint or as, you know, is said, you know, to do no harm. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I I just I'm going to thank you for that because, you know, I hope that didn't bore everybody that, you know, is listening to that. But I wanted to bring that to something very practical, you know, with a real human being that's, you know, out there leading and um, it takes takes personal leadership very seriously. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it just underscores the point that peace is not attained or achieved through, you know, fully sunny days and everything being perfect. (laughs) We actually come through it through our own wars, through our own violence, through our own thrashing, through our own disappointments. That those are the pathways a lot of times that lead us, that force us to discern what doesn't belong here. What did I do wrong? What can I do better next time? So those things, those bags of crap, those disappointments, those breakups, those heartbreaks, they are essential. Uh, They're the things that create that tension, right? And allow uh, for us to grow. You know, as you know, what happens with a lot of people is that the moment they they enter that space that that tension or that middle space they freak they they run they get the heck out of there and um they're afraid to stand there because it is uncomfortable it can be painful you know and if there's you know any hidden trauma from the past of course you know there's you know professional help that's required in addition to that or you know mental health assistance but for the most part it's it's just an uncomfortable thing. And, and most people that are very busy, who are, you know, type A, who are leading very productive lives to take a moment to pause and to feel any discomfort is not desirable. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not something we say, yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> That's right. And what I have found is that um, doing it in group, doing it with others it makes it much faster, much easier. So that's why I'm so dearly committed to our, you know, work of trueness project and to working with, uh, with us, with ourselves in our own journey of tension and, and the things that we're trying, the mountains that we're trying to move, as I like to say, because we all have them. You know, we all really do. Myra, part of the work of trueness in these podcasts is we definitely, you know, when people join this, we, they are committing to be encouraged and to encourage. So what encouragement do you have for the listeners? But I'm going to be real specific with that question because you talk about, I love the term thrashing and, and also, the, you know, the journey of tension in, in particular around what encouragement or, or in particular around thrashing, what, what encouragement do you have out there to help people really embrace the thrashing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that says it right there, Jeff. I encourage, you know, I encourage the thrashing. I, I think that whenever 
someone is combative with me or is uh, accusing me or coming at me, I always, I sort of like, I stand very still and I chuckle inside and I go, ooh, they're trying to learn something, right? So then turn it around. Think about in your own life, you know, I'm talking to the listeners too and to all, 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 all of us here. When you are attacking someone, when you are trying to be so self-righteous because you know what's best, you know the right thing. What is it that I'm trying to learn? So I guess relative to thrashing, I would say, yes, I encourage thrashing. It's a good thing. But also when the moment that you detect that that's happening, sort of reel yourself in for a moment, take a deep breath and just simply ask yourself how, you know, a couple questions. A, what am I trying to see here? And a lot of times if you become very still and very quiet, you know, your your intuition, your soul, your higher power will speak to you and you will go, oh, that's all it was. Oh, my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and you can move forward. A lot of times maybe it's just you struggling with yourself. And so question that um, we like to remind people is, you know, how how do you want to feel? You know, or how do I really feel right now? And enter that thrashing space, you know, so that you can understand what is what is the exact emotion that you're feeling. Much like you helped your colleague, you know, name that disappointment. A lot of times we have difficulty naming uh, the emotions. We're not well practiced at it, which is, you know, another body of work that I'm developing with uh, Crystal Peary, who is my wonderful writing partner of many years, and helping people enter those thrashing spaces so that we can say, oh my gosh, I'm really angry. That's what this is about. I am really, you know, really super angry. And um, anger is a really powerful and very helpful emotion if used properly. Um, Right. We can harm people um, if we're not aware that we are angry. So it's, you know, so helping people, you know, encouraging people to be there, but then encouraging them to use that power very um, wisely and mindfully. You know, what What does that space look like for you now? Because you did mention as well that, you know, you've got you've got courses that you that you teach at Kent State. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just interested to because it was such a present and personal story, you know, the one with you connecting to Sunny Day. Um, mm-hmm. What is what does that look like today for you? Thanks, Rick. Um, yeah, so today, because Sunny Day started out at just, as just me, right? We had, you know, three books that were all mine. <laughs> and, and then I realized that I wanted it to serve community. And I wanted to create an intentional community from that business. It's not been easy. A lot of people don't recognize or don't feel like business is connected to community. And so it's, it's taken a moment for the authors to realize, oh my gosh, she really does mean that. She really um, is committed to making sure that we are family, that we feel that way, that we're supporting each other's work, that we are cross-promoting each other's books, that we are talking about. She's not just talking about her book, she's talking about my book and encouraging all the authors to do that. That's sort of a rare thing, I think. And so today I want to use Sunny Day Publishing as a vehicle for um, maybe a model for that kind of company, a company that's very mindful not only of its of its owners, its partners, of people that sort of move the mountains to, to create it, but also the people that come to it for whatever reason. They may need support in editing or they maybe want to do a full 
um, you know, a book together with us or they want to collaborate in some way. And so to be a service and to be and to do that both in a way that's very loving, but also in a way that is profitable and, and, and helps us, you know, I, like I say, we want to be paid for this beautiful work we do. We want to make it a, a viable entity and we want writing and storytelling and graphic design and art to be something that communities and corporations and everybody really recognizes as viable to our health. So um, Sunny Day Publishing is a for-profit entity. I didn't create it as a nonprofit, although I do tons of work in nonprofit world. But to me, I wanted to create a model around a company that was very mindful and also building intentional community. And I think given the, the types of books that we write, the genres that we are immersed in, that's just inevitable and it's very organic. You know, we are talking about very personal and deep subjects, you know, chronic health conditions and mental illness and just the human condition in general. So, you know, we're not talking about, you know, things that are, you know, easy to talk about. We're talking about very painful and difficult things. And I, I always tell people that all of our books, you know, our books are precious, but there's, there's a story behind every one of those books. You know, all of our authors have those deep, deep, beautiful stories that led them to eventually say, you know, I want to share this with a larger community and I want to serve through my journey. I want to serve. So that's, that's the kind of individual that's been drawn to Sunny Day Publishing. Um, and as founder, I, I wake up every morning and I say, thank you, God, because it's such a privilege to um, co-create and to serve every single day in that capacity. And, and you know, it, we know you've got um, 84 projects to grade, <laughs> yeah. so we probably ought to bring this to somewhat of a close. And But, you know, I, I want to just say thank you, but also thank you for being part of of this community, because, you know, it just occurs to me when you were saying that, that for those of you who hopefully have listened to every single podcast we've ever done, you know, if you don't listen to any, listen to the ones we call a conversation because that's a community because yeah, we've talked the best. Yeah. yeah. We've talked with Jennifer Rainey. We've talked with uh, Ted Seneff. We've talked with, you know, and, and I've talked with Rick now Myra and Dan, you know, did I say Dan, Dan Roller. Anyway, my point to the listener is we're a community. We all know each other. I mean, these aren't people that we're randomly picking out that don't know each other. Everyone we're talking to. We're not cold calling people. Yeah. We we all know each other. Uh, I've known Myra, you know, God, I'm going to forgive me for dating us. You know, we've known each other for 25 years and and we've known Ted that long. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Rick and I go back several years and and Jen and Dan and I go back about 17, you know, on and on and on. So, you know, you guys are experiencing what we're bringing to you because it is coming from a community. So thank you for reminding us of that. Yeah. And, and it, not only are we a community, but we actually, we really like each other and we love each other. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to leave that off intentionally by any means. Absolutely. Well, we do love you, Myra. And thank you so much for doing this. This is, this is so cool. We've been so excited to get this done. And yes. so it is now done and thank you. So my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you both so much for holding the space for me and for helping me come out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes. 
All right. Thank you. All right. Great. And as always, everybody, thanks for listening.